0: Welcome to episode 3 of our MKE Recap, or should I say week 3. I'm your host of, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer.
1: Howdy, how are you holding up?
0: <laughs> yes, we're learning that 30 days is actually quite a long time to do anything. Um, and we're also fast learning why the record might have been just 22, for a reason. So yes, it's been another week of watching Mike movies as um I foolheartedly attempt to watch 30 Mik movies in by the end of the month. So it's been happening. Um and then you have people like Stephen who go, you know what we'll really break up all these Miike movies? How about we all sit down and watch John Hurt's 1984? <laughs> that would be a fun palette refresher.
1: <laughs> Spoilers for a future episode somewhere else, but yes, I can...
0: <laughs> and be- last week, it's like, oh, I've got this real fun animated movie about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> this that, that'll be if you break from reading subtitles a week yeah
1: <laughs> i'm sorry we're putting you through a tough september it
0: is uh it's been an interesting week to say the least um most noteworthy because we kicked off this week by looking at imprint which was uh Mike's contribution to the master of horror season 1 uh, Mickey obviously being invited over to join the Masters of Horror project on the back of audition, basically being the most talked about horror film in years, and it really sort of gave him the creditation to be classed as one well, of the Masters of Horror, even though the whole idea of the Masters of Horror was just this screwball idea that was uh, basically thrown together by uh, Mick Garris, who invited a bunch of horror directors together for a series of dinners and. John Landis um, throughout the idea is all like, well why don't we call ourselves the Masters of Horror because it would be really funny to have things like the Masters of Horror go bowling the Masters of Horror go to dinner uh, so hence why they are the Masters of Horror and out of that was born this project where they would all create a series of short films for this uh, series and for some it revived the mojo in their careers, others made interesting movies like John Landis's Deal Woman and then there were those which just didn't work like Toby Hooper's Dance of the Dead, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to obviously talk about Imprint, which is a episode so notorious that it got banned in the states, only to later turn up in the box set. While here in the UK, you know, we're a little more open-minded. We included it as part of the run. But have you seen Imprint?
1: I have. I um I quite enjoyed the Masters of Horror stuff. Um, but I probably only picked it up because. Of imprint, to be honest with you, you know. Oh my god, it's new Mika thing at the time. Although my favourite is um is uh, Lucky McKee's one, which I can't remember what it's called, but oh, Sick Girl, Sick Girl, which then got me into May, which I think is a fantastic film. But yes, um, yeah, it, it, to to me, imprint sort of kind of folds into the same place of another short film i think you're going to talk about this episode um they they sort of they both sort of uh, the the one from three extremes although very different pieces they they feel very very similar to me (laughs) bless me (laughs) um is it still shocking now as it was then
0: i think it's certainly shocking, I mean, mainly because it features scenes of prolonged torture, which I think is the more shocking elements of this, where you're basically taking a very attractive woman and making her rather unattractive through the jabbing needles in inappropriate places. Um, This, Though I have to say, though, that since Imprint originally came out, it's really gained something of a cool following. Certainly when we put this up on the Asian Cinema Takeout group, they just like, oh my god, I love imprint.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's like I really surprised me because I thought that this wasn't like a popular MK contribution. Well,
1: I think I think if you ban something, that automatically gives it some cachet in some of the Facebook groups that we belong to. <laughs> um and, and then you make it hard to watch, hard to find. I can see that. Yeah, I I've always thought of it as a bit of an oddity. Um it certainly was made and almost as part of that sort of you know we've talked before about that that move from from being the the renegade outlaw of film festivals and the like to being quite a you know the sort of person that will get booed at Cannes you know because he's doing a normal film um and I just I just always felt it was in in that realm um but i don't think it's horrible i mean it is horrible <laughs> and and it does belong in that very small section of Mike's cv which i think we can absolutely put down as a horror film so i know i know i was talking about the three Well i think it should be the four shouldn't it it should it should be audition it should be um uh this it should be the other one that I can't
0: oh, Isha the Killer?
1: Uh, no, I don't think I think Isha the Killer is just a disgusting um it's it's just it's just a, an extreme film. Um Oh Crikey, the one with the ghosts. Um so One Miss Call and Okay and the other one starring also showing the starring the girl from One Miss Call, a more recent one about the Actress who goes a bit crazy, and I can't remember the title of it now. But
0: is that um, Over Your Dead Body? Oh,
1: dead Body. That that's it. So those, those four yeah. to me are the only horror films he's ever really made. Yes, there's certainly plenty of horrific stuff. Certainly in Itchy the Killer with um with the nipples being cut off and things like that. But I don't. To me, that's not a horror film. That's just a. It's a stupid film.
0: <laughs> it's a <laughs> no. It's,
1: it's a manga adaptation, or that, that, that's actually quite funny actually but it's got some nasty bits in it and there are other you know there are other nasty bits in many of his other films but they're not horror per se but this this definitely is the the other film it reminds me of what's that one where Sherilyn fenn has all her limbs cut off which is kept in a box
0: oh boxing helena yeah
1: boxing helena these all sort of felt feel like they came out at the same time they probably didn't but (laughs) that's how it feels to me
0: yeah, I mean, this one obviously has Billy Drago uh, putting in a very questionable performance as a Victorian-era reporter who returns to this island that's inhabited by prostitutes, and he's returned there to rescue his prostitute girlfriend, Kimiko, only to find out that she's killed herself in, since the last time he was at the island. And what follows is a, him being basically told of her final days by this mysterious blue-haired girl whose truth maybe not as true as she likes us to believe she is. And suddenly Miki does this wonderful trick of, like, we go through the story the first time, and you get to it, and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I don't see what the fuss was all about. And then it's like, yeah, that wasn't quite the story. <laughs> and then the Miki starts, like, slowly turning the screws, and then by the time we get to the third one, it's just absolutely horrific. It's like... Um, and it has a twist, which I know some people would say is really stupid, but I I kind of find fun um, as it features a conjoined twin in an unusual place. Mm. That's all I'm going to say about that one. Yeah, um, that's not spoil it. Yeah, I I mean, as I said, it's it's an hour. Is well, it's about an hour at the most uh, watched, so it's not really the most good times. Time-consuming thing, but um, it's got a curiosity quality to it. But I think certainly of the master of the Horror series, it's not the strong. It's not like the strongest, but it's certainly not the weakest in that set. Um, I mean, it's no like nothing like John Carpenter's *Cigarette Burns*, for example, which would I would like put there as uh, right up there. I would say it's more like uh, Stuart Gordon's uh, *Night in Witch House*.
1: Ah uh, yeah, it's another another HP Lovecrafty one, isn't it? Um,
0: yeah, because yeah, that's, that's the thing Stuart man. Gordon never does. <laughs> he just loves, he just loves Lovecraft. He does, which
1: is which is um, fair enough. Which is fair enough. No, it's it's, it's 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 It is. Both series have got some real highlights in them. I think the first series is better than the second. Um, this is in the first series, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this is uh, in the first first series, um, and
1: yeah, and 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 you know, it's, it's weird. It's, it got me in there, but it probably let me find other things. And it, it, I don't think if you saw this, it's something you could say, "Oh, I really love that movie. Oh, I'm going to go search out more films by this guy." And if you did, you'd be really disappointed. I think.
0: I think that when it came to this episode, I think it was was there that like the BK fans that were the ones who were sort of, like drawn in by it. People had seen like audition rather than, like, people sort of discovering who Mike was. Um, I mean, even when we like look at, like, Dario Argento's Jennifer in that season, it's nothing like pretty much anything else that Dario Argento does, because he mainly does shallow movies. And, mm. You know, things like Bird with a Crystal Plumage, and there's no other film I can think of that he's done that comes close to Jennifer. And, I mean, he, again, was the other director who got cuts, because there was... Um, Cuts to his finale made, which he was rather upset with. Mm. But not so upset that he didn't return for the for the, for the second season. What was he
1: made for? Was it H early HBO or Showtime, I, Showtime? I believe. Showtime, yes, I think you're right. But it was a pay per view channel, wasn't it? I'm pretty certain because I can't believe any network American network would have would have backed this
0: project. <laughs> <laughs> um But next up, still on the horror track, I checked out Free Extremes from 2004. Just an absolute masterpiece. Start to finish, it is Still fantastic. Whether you're looking at Fruit Chan's shortcut of dumplings, Pachan Wook's cut, or uh, Mikkei's The Box, which again, it was mo- seeing Mikkei move away from that um, outlaw period. And I remember people really criticizing and going, oh, this isn't my Mikkei. Mm-hmm. This is too straightforward. This, is, this isn't grotesque enough. Um, but no, the story of the writer returning to her childhood home of sorts uh, with the circus, only to discover the truth of what happened to her twin sister long since presumed to be dead. Uh, But uh, as she returns home, she finds um, some secrets don't remain dead. Mm. Um, I enjoyed it. It's not the best of the three. Um, I think dumplings is, like, way out there, but I think as... In the structure of the trilogy, I think it's a nice way to end the trilogy. Even though I think the American cut has it in the middle, and I think they end with dumplings or something. Or yeah,
1: they shuffle it around they, for they whatever do. reason. Um, it's my least favourite of the three. I think, although it's you know it's such an incredibly strong. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of bizarre stuff around this that this is a sequel. To a previous triptych or films, <laughs> which then got released over here as three extremes too. But no, this is that they are the first. This is the second. Um, I like cut. I like cut a lot as a as an example of just sort of tension based filmmaking. Um, dumplings is just magnificent. And um, again, we you can go elsewhere to hear us talk about dumplings. Um, but yeah, they know uh, bo- bo- box is fine. Um. Again, aren't there twins in this one as well? Yes,
0: there's yeah, twins in
1: this one. It's, it's just, that's, why, that's probably why I link them together, mate. <laughs> it's his co-joined twins film. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 okay. Um, but I think it does suffer in the company it's in. Because Dumplings is so good. And so clever.
0: Hmm.
1: And so perfectly, But it's, all,
0: it's all miles ahead of uh, Free Extremes 2, which was pretty awful. To be honest, I can't
1: remember any of the films on in in Three Extremes Two at all, which makes you wonder how they managed to get a sequel out of it. But there we go. I think
0: there's a Thai one about puppets. Yeah, that I was very underwhelmed with. Yeah, that's all I remember of Three Extremes Two. So, yeah. Um, but onto another overlooked title, and that's Terraformers from 2016, which you can actually watch in the Arrow Player. Um, this is Mike giving us his take on the Suicide Squad, as a bunch of convicts are sent to Mars to clear out the cockroaches that were sent there along with Moss as part of a terraforming project. However, when they get up there, they find that the cockroaches have evolved into mutant man-sized cockroaches, a la Mimic. Um, only these ones kind of look like the cockroaches from Futurama.
1: Okay, I haven't I haven't seen Terraformers, and what you've described so far is reminding me of Starship Troopers. It's reminding me of what was the um, film with uh, Chris? What's his name in it that came out this year on Netflix? Oh, um, the, t- the Tomorrow War. The, the Tomorrow War. That 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 was people versus insects. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a thing, isn't it? It's it's a trope.
0: Well, how about if I said to you that all of the uh, these convicts have special bug powers?
1: <laughs> okay, I'm sold.
0: So they, they've all um, undergone DNA tests. They've all had their DNA changed so that uh, when they sort of jack up, they um, each have different powers based on different bugs. Right. And you get these little natural history-like little pop-ups and stuff, and it's sort of like, oh, this character has got this bug which can produce... Use this characteristic, which, mean, in human terms, means they can breathe fire, or they can use a jet propulsion, or turn into a human mantis. Um, and there's one who's like based on a bullet ant. Okay. So it's really stupid, but kind of enjoyable at the same time.
1: Has it? Is it based on a manga or something?
0: Yeah, this is based on a manga, and there's also an anime as well. But I knew nothing about this whatsoever. I had a lot of people say oh Terraformers is really rubbish. Uh, but I didn't know anything about the plot so I went to this just really blind. And when it starts up, it's got this world uh, which is like Blade Runner with elements like Fifth Element. Mm. And then you realise that Mike spent pretty much all the budget on these scenes because when you get onto Mars it's just dusty and desolate. Mm. Um... So yeah, it's you know it's a f- sort of movie that's best enjoyed with friends, you know, friends with beer
1: <laughs> and snacks, lots of snacks. yes, and snacks. <laughs> uh,
0: but you know, it's it's not the worst thing Mika's done.
1: It's got a really bad rep, all right, which is probably why I've never seen it. Um, it's you know, it, it's it's meant to be down there with, with with the worst of his stuff, but I I do wonder again if there's is, is we'll have to call it the shield of straw effect won't we where there is a certain, it is like that, there is a certain it? sort of fan that is automatically going to dump on a Mike film that doesn't meet their expectations and usually these are the Mike fans who whose knowledge is i'm gonna i'm gonna give myself some hate now but it's, potentially limited (laughs) and don't really you know i was i was sticking up for shield of straw last time and and it sounds like you know you're you're fairly sticking up for terraformers in the sense that you you're saying it's not the worst thing he's ever done which is
0: it's a free star affair yeah but that's Um, that's
1: way more than most people um that would would give it so i'm you've actually talked me into giving it a go okay it can't be any worse than the Battle of the Planets movie I started. Well, it wasn't called Battle of the Planets. It was called whatever the. Um, uh, what's Battle of the Planets based on? Can't remember. But I, Gatchaman. I had, is it? Gatchaman. That's why I watched the Gatchaman live action and couldn't get it get it through to the end. Um, that's not a Mike, Mike movie, but you know, in 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 that that live action manga, live action anime stuff that comes out. If you're able to watch it to the end, that's probably a lot better a lot of things I have tried to watch. Or the loop in the third one that I saw, which is horrendous as well. So, I'll give it a go. You've talked me into it.
0: Okay. Uh, next up, we had a pair of five-star rated movies. Uh, first off, kicking off with Mike's 100th director credit, which I have to say that a lot of people got this confused that he's directed 100 movies, when it's not the case, it's 100 director credits. And there's a lot of TV in there.
1: Oh, things like mpd so, and stuff like that they count yeah, like, yeah
0: yeah it, this is this is um part of the Mickey mythos that he's directed over 100 films and it's it's really not he just has over 100 director credits gotcha. um but blade of the mortal from 2017 absolutely fantastic just like go watch now it's just so it's just so much fun it's got elements of like ninja scroll and and uh, lone wolf and cub in there it's just a real fun pop samurai romp of um when you've got this immortal samurai who teams up with uh, this uh, young girl called riku who's uh, ch- setting out to get revenge on the samurai clan who killed her parents and he of course cannot be killed and carries more blades than a swiss army knife How do we know that? Because he'll constantly fling his arms out and have about seven or eight blades suddenly fall out of his sleeves and hit the ground. And it's just a really fun Robin. as i said already. I mean, it's bookended by one versus a hundred battles. It's got colourful villains, rivers of blood, splatter, creative weapon use. It's Ah, I just had so much fun with this one.
1: So I'm a naughty boy. I own this film. I think yep. I I own um, I own a still book of it, and I've never watched it.
0: Me was David because he says he owns it as well, and he's also not <laughs> owned it. So,
1: so yeah, me and me and me, and, me and David are in the naughty corner today because um, yeah, fancy buying movies you never watch. But yes, you know, well, when I bought it's... it, I didn't even know it was a Mek film. It was okay. It was, you know, I was in um, I remember where I was. I was in Guildford in the HMV in Guildford, and I always. If, I, if I'm in that area, I will check out the Asian cinema stuff section, you know, the World Cinema section. I thought, oh look, there's a still book with samurais on it. I'll have some of that. And uh, wasn't until I got it home that I realised it was the famous Mike's as as you've now corrected me, the hundredth his hundredth direct di- directorial attempt. Um, but yeah, I will, I will, I will watch it one day. Um, I, it's I don't know why, just. Never never popped off the shelf for me, but it looks like I might okay. I might be having a um a bit of a BK marathon myself from the sounds of it.
0: Yeah. It's on all four as well at the moment, so if you can't be bothered to find your D V D you can watch it on All Four as well. Um if you're in the States I don't know. It's <laughs> probably somewhere. Um I've got followed that with 13 Assassins from twenty ten. Um again, phenomenal. Just Fantastic from start to finish. I know that Nick rehack over at French Show Sunday and uh, the radio show that rehack radio, uh, which you can check out over Mix Cloud, is a big fan of Thirteen Assassins. So, but um, this was really the movie which marked Mika's moving into being a more mainstream director. It was sort of like with Imprint, we saw the end of the outlaw area, and then with Thirteen Assassins, even though it's got those little hints of uh, it's still in there. Felted Assassin's sort of like really marked a change of pace for Miki's sort of like directorial choices but it's great because it obviously takes that Seven Samurai vibe of just these samurai coming together and then doubles it and then just gives it this whole pop samurai spin which is just works so well for it and the finale is just phenomenal throughout it's just phenomenal throughout it's just (laughs) carnage uh, throughout and it's just full of blood and snot, it's just... Ah. No matter how many times I watch Ferdinand Assassins, I'm still blown away by that movie.
1: Um, yeah, well, like you say, it's this period... There's there's two films he did in a row. Um, that, basically, uh, uh, suddenly made him... Although he'd done, you know... The, 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 this this when did he change thing is, is a little more mutable, but you know, th- this is after Yataman, <laughs> but it's also after Zebra Man 2. He did 13 Assassins, and he did Harikiri, Death of a Samurai, both of which, which I think are remakes. 13 Assassins is certainly a remake. Yeah. I'm pretty certain that Harakiri is also a remake as well, but he yeah. took two venerable Japanese samurai classics, and made really, really, really good films out of them <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're going to look at harry Harrykiri as well so I don't, I' don't want to don't want to spoil that, but the pair of them do mark a just a change in his quality um He's down, to, you know, he's down to two or three films a year at this point, you know, so that, that might be something to do with it. But there's just there's there's just there's just something about There's a maturity about it. There's a control about it. That control that maybe we haven't seen since Audition. Um, you know, because a lot of his films are quite flabby, aren't they? And, you know, we, we talk about needing to cut 20 minutes off the end. I don't think you can accuse certain assessments of Harakari, Harakiri of that as well. He did follow up with Ninja Kids, mind you. So, you know, he wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't perfect, but yes. Um so it's the yeah, twenty ten, twenty eleven. So yeah, good good yeah I, I would hope anybody listens to the show since uh, in Assassins to be honest with you. But uh if you haven't, pause it, watch it, come back. And they're back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um next up we had City of Lost Souls from two thousand. Um this is another one from the Outlaw period. This features Mika's most international cast to date. It's here we have uh, the Brazilian Japanese gangster Mario, recon- rescuing his Chinese girlfriend um, Kai, who, at the same time, he's facing being uh, deported to Japan, and both of them want to escape over to Australia. So what uh, happens is that they decide to rip off the local cockfight circuit, which is probably one of the few good moments of this film as we get to see a CGI cockfight with a chicken doing a Matrix kick. Um, have you seen this one, Stephen?
1: Oh, I saw it years ago, mate. You've only just reminded me of it now. Um,
0: yeah, that's pretty much the best bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and unfortunately, that's... it's not on YouTube either. So... Say, is,
1: that, is that is that the YouTube highlight? This, this is from... 2000, isn't it? Yeah. Now, in 2000, I was just having a look at his... The only thing I saw of his from this year is MPD Psycho, his TV show, or his first TV show that he did, which was very M-K. Um And I think I'll need to go and revisit it. And I think I just... I just... This was just another film to me. Oh, there's interesting because it's set in Brazil... Of course, there are the the that is the second most second most populous group of Japanese people in the world, are in Brazil, which I guess is why he went and set it there, or why he was able to, um, because of the car manufacturing, I believe. Okay. Um, but yes, outside of Japan, the most Japanese people in one place, one country, is Brazil, which is always an interesting thing. It's also why loads of Brazilians play football in the J League, but. You know, we're going a bit off, target, <laughs> off topic here, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't really, I don't really remember it, and it's interesting that you, you seem to have a similar feel for it, and you only watched <laughs> it last d- this well, week. Well,
0: <laughs> this is the, this is the thing. A lot of these movies of this period, they're very mood dependent. So sometimes you like watching, and you think, oh, that was really good, and then other times you think, no, that wasn't particularly good at all. And I think I, uh, with this film, I, I appreciated it when it first came out because I was watching it. As these movies were being filtered across through Tartan, so Mm. you kind of had this idea of what Mika movies is about. You hadn't, at this point, been spoiled by the films that were to come. You know, like Thirteen Assassins, even things like Mm. Yataman. He hadn't quite shown his his hand fully as a a director. So
1: this did get a Tartan release. I'm I'm certain I've got it on a Tartan Extreme release somewhere.
0: Um, this has got yeah. This one had a tart release. You had Dead or Alive one and two that had tart releases as well. And Visitor Q um, did
1: as well. But then when we talk Visitor Q and, and Itchy the Killer, obviously did as well in that in this yeah. sort of this 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 block of his films. Um, so yeah, this 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 is in his you know this this post audition popularity J horror extreme cinema popular it, it came out and maybe because it wasn't really any you know it's no audition and it's no visitor queue you know what i mean it's a it's a it's, it's, it's a it's a Yakuza film which he made loads of them um and this isn't the standout one to me cool name though yeah
0: yeah um and then wrapping things up we had a more recent offering from me cave with first love from 2019 which we've talked about on the show before i think we're both fans of it
1: uh, no <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> i enjoyed it even though there's a cat there's a an actress whose only name is becky
1: Ah, uh, which is why i love it so becky is she, she's a fascinating character she um She was basically, she's half Japanese, half American, I think. So she's mixed race, which is really, really rare to be popular and mixed race in Japan. They have real issues with what they call hafus. But Becky was this sort of really popular TV star. Loads of sort of Japanese dramas she'd appear in because she could play a Westerner, but she can speak perfect Japanese. And then her, she she made some mistakes in her life. Basically, I think if I remember rightly, she had an affair with a married man or something like that. One of these no-nos for 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 Japanese starlets to do. And she basically her career just went on the skids. Um, she's had to apologise publicly. You know, we we've talked before, haven't we, about the uh, the is it the member of um, AKB forty eight that had to cut all her hair off and apologise for kissing a man. You know, it's it, 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 yeah. it's that kind of thing. With First Love, she's suddenly back in this supporting role and she's fucking amazing in it. (laughs) Unfortunately for me, she's so much better than everything else in the film. Um, It didn't help. The film was released over here in the West in or around Valentine's Day. Got a cinema release as well. And I remember reviewing it for Eastern Kicks and I just thought, yeah it's all right <laughs> it, it just felt it felt a bit like a bit of a miki greatest hits of some of his films from 20 years before but then there was this becky supporting actress bit where she just goes apeshit <laughs> and it's just wonderful to see this person sort of resurrect hopefully resurrect her career hopefully appearing in a Miko film isn't just an admission that your career's over so I, d- I don't know what's going to happen to her. I mean, she's 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 older than she looks as well, mate.
0: But um,
1: yeah, it was just nice. It was nice to see a familiar face from my early days of watching Japanese TV shows and things like that. Yeah. But you liked it, yeah? You you enjoyed it?
0: I mean, I like it. I mean, it's sort of like just basically a, like a Yakuza spin on the one crazy night concept, mm. uh, where you got boxer meets cold girl and they go on. The run, so I guess you can obviously compare it also to like the likes of True Romance as well. But the action beats are really fun. It's got a random animated sequence in it as well, and I think, as I said, there's just something in its construction that I just really enjoyed. I think it's taps into so many of those sort of like earlier films, but at the same time, Mika sort of like learns his lesson with how to pace things, so it moves at a fair trot. Um, but no, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this one. It was, I don't know. I would say it's like for love's sake with better action, but for love's sake I had pretty decent action as well. So yeah, for love's sake I
1: had better songs, but um, yeah, it, it, it's weird. F- first, first love is is a funny one. It, it it felt it just felt a bit contrived. Not in the not because of the film, but because how it was released over here and trying to do it as a Valentine's Day movie. I'm not sure.
0: So yeah, that um, is how this week has played out As always, if you haven't done um, already You can donate and help support our cause We're raising funds for the Mars and Meltdowns Family Centre Throughout the whole of Takashi Miike Month Um, So you can obviously donate if you wish to through our Just Giving page The link is on the episode description and you can also find it on the Facebook, Twitter or Instagram as well Uh, If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button Whether you happen to be listening to us and check out our other episodes Check out our main show the Asian Cinema Film Club Or maybe you want to listen to our chapter by chapter breakdown of Battle Royale It's all available on the main feed And if that's not enough, you can also check out our blog which is AsianCinemaFilmClub.webpress.com where we got our whole archive of episodes on there as well as other fun bits of writing like the movie vault, the dark side of Asian cinema and the anime vault as well as the mixtape so all that is on the checkout but thank you for listening and hopefully you join us next week for week 4 of Takashi Miike month as we'll be running down more of what we've been watching as we continue to head towards our total of 30 Miike movies in the month but until then Thank you to my co Stephen.
1: Uh, It's a pleasure, mate. Hope you break through the wall and you have a better week next week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Now now we're running out of the good titles. It's going to be real interesting where this one's going to go. But uh, all that's obviously come up on our next episode. But thank you again for listening, and we'll be back soon with another recap. Until then, good night.